0: Okay, hi, and welcome to the BizInk podcast. Um, I've got Darren Glanville with me here, who's um, Spotlight, um, the Director of Sales. So, um, thanks for coming along, Darren.
1: Uh, you're welcome, Matt. It's great to, uh, to uh, catch up with you again after meeting and bumping into you at XeroCon. It was really, really awesome. So, yeah, it uh, was. yeah great, great to be here.
0: Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll come back to XeroCon in a minute. Um, would you just give us a, a brief intro to yourself and, and Spotlight, please?
1: Yeah, so um, Darren Glanville, I'm the director of sales here in the UK for Spotlight. So I've, I've been with Spotlight for probably just over 18 months now. Um, set up the UK division uh, in July 2014, and um, responsible for everything in the UK from sales, support, operations, uh, and helping practices on that journey to move really from compliance-driven to advisory-led. That big change that everyone seems to be talking about at the moment. Um, prior to joining Spotlight, I spent five years with Zero as one of their senior account managers, uh, so really proud of what we achieved in terms of growing that business in the UK um, from very humble beginnings to the the kind of the organization and scale that they have now. It's It's been a, a massive journey for them and really bringing that uh, experience of transitioning clients from practices from a desktop software into the cloud, but for me there was always this another another horizon. Once we once we show a practice how to do that and, and everything that that drives firms into into the cloud, um, you couldn't really teach. Uh, firms how to do it. They have the process. It is a process. It's nailed. They'll either do that organically, or as as strategic as they they wish to. Um, but the one thing that was always apparent was really okay. Now I've got this understanding of what it means to be on the cloud and how I can work with my clients more effectively, uh, more efficiently rather. Um, is how can I be more effective with my clients, and and that was it. And I, I, we've we've been talking about this in the UK since early you know sort of two thousand and three. I remember a, a, an article being published by the ICAW called the Profitable and Sustainable Practice, and one stat. I've said this many times to, to partners that always stood out to me was, um, you know, the firm of the future is actually something that will derive 60 to 70% of their free income from type two or advisory services. And that's always a stat that's stuck in my head. It's, it's actually still available online as a PDF. Um, and that's really where I, I kind of love working is, is helping practices transform, making them more effective with their clients, strengthening that relationship. And Spotlight forms a, a huge part of that. Um, so we're a, we're a software platform that enables accountants to um, really provide their clients with with better understanding of their data, both financial and non-financial, across a, a, a ream of products, um, from simplified dashboards through to much higher end, much more detailed reports, including KPIs, consolidations and benchmarking, as well as forecasting as well now. So that's what we do. And we've seen some phenomenal success. We're seeing many more firms kind of switch on to this. Uh, we've seen some um, great uh inspirational um firms you know drive that forward um but equally i think what we're seeing now is a lot of collaboration. you know what initiatives are other firms working on that are helping their clients and ultimately helping them get better outcomes so that's what we're doing here in the uk
0: great oh thanks for that um we'll try and find that pdf link and um include it on the podcast page if um if we can if people want to download that to the um, icaw report
1: it's it's interesting I mean, considering it was done in 2003 there's some very insightful stuff in there in terms of the way that technology would change and adapt and how firms need to adapt and change as well around that so it is it's the profitable and sustainable practice
0: okay cool we'll, we'll take that out. um so yeah you mentioned that we were at, at zerocon uk which is um which was last week um and something that stuck out for me was listening to um, the, the HMRC, which is the uh, British Tax Government Department, for anyone not, not from the UK, um, that they're now building an API. So in other words, um, opening up their data to, to software like Xero um, or, or or other apps. Um, and I know the same is happening in Australia with the ATO and in other countries. So um, I, I was interested to get your opinion, Darren, if if that truly signals the end of of compliance work for for accounting firms um, and, you know, um, if so, what are the kind of uh, ramifications there?
1: Um, I think that's a, that's a really interesting question. I, I wouldn't necessarily say it's it's the death of compliance for, for, for firms. I think the model itself, I think many firms have over the years have built very successful business models uh, around providing this, this tip, the typical and standard compliance services, accounts, preparation, tax returns, etc. Um, I think to assume that that would be the end of compliance is, is is crazy to to some extent because i think it's the price of the stake at the table at the moment and still there're going to be many firms that do that um and still continue to do that there'll be you know lots of people lots of small businesses that at the end of the day they just want simplified you know how much is my tax return going to cost me i need to get it done Um, I want to get a set of accounts because it's a legislative requirement. We we still have to produce that for the government or for Companies House here in the UK. Um, I think what's, what's happening is that there's a lot of firms that have seen the commoditization of that service happen. They've seen fees being driven down because of, um, you know, a number of factors, whether that's part quality, you know, qualified accountants doing it, unqualifieds doing it, really, you know, sausage factory type environments that are just driving down the price of that. Um, and that's been happening over the last 10, 15 years. But I think we've reached a point now where again, technology is at, is at the point through tools like Xero that actually simplify it, not just for accounting firms, but also for end users to do a lot of that work themselves. So I think there's two free pressures. I think it's a positive thing that HRC and, and is, is opening up and Wanting that API because they want to gather data quicker and better. Um, I think there's still a, a, a definite um, role for accountants in terms of helping you know clients mitigate their their tax liabilities and, and prove you know how much ultimately how much profit they keep um, in their back pockets. But I think there's definitely a rise now. We we have a saying, you know, we just we don't necessarily disagree that we agree that, that um, compliance is dead. We just believe it doesn't change lives, and I think that's a very important thing. Mm-hmm. Clients want more from their accountants. There's almost this expectation that I come to you as an accountant because you are the font of all knowledge. You 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 tell people how to make success, businesses successful. Um, I think too many people view them as just the history department, and you know all you're there to do is tell me how my. My, my tax return, you know, how my business performed last year. That's not actually true. You know, more, more and more we're seeing the stats that say more and more businesses are likely to succeed if they're working and engaging with an advisor on a regular basis. And I think this is so important for businesses now. Um, and if we are engaged with those advisors, how are they helping us on that journey? It's not just simply about providing tax returns and accounts anymore. It's about saying, okay, we can help you look forward to the future. We can help you forecast what your business is going to do. I think ultimately more and more practices need to to Invest in skills and tools, and and the ability to offer those types of services. We already saw that with, um, with a number of our partners that we're engaged with. Mm-hmm. We've got to start offering those services, whether it's um, whether it's strategic planning or others. And I think that's an, that's a more interesting conversation. Is you know what does advisory mean to many of those firms that are listening to this podcast? Because we we're seeing very you know varied results. We can ask one firm, what does advisory mean to you? Some people will just say, well, it's management information. Others will say it's management information plus strategic planning plus wealth management plus uh, mergers and acquisitions. It's 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 mastermind groups. It's all of that. So it can vary from practice to practice in terms of how they want to run that. Mm-hmm. and the services they ultimately want to give. But what we are seeing is firms that are embracing that change and saying, right, we need to skill up um, either internally or work external through partnerships with people that can deliver this for us, if it's wealth management or so on. Um, we're seeing some very interesting things happen with, with fee income and profits, and I think that's ultimately the one thing that we're seeing.
0: Okay. Um, so, okay, business advisory may be then hard to define, but um – <laughs> if we use that as a convenient kind of umbrella term for discussion now. I think, yeah,
1: that's the only way you can do it, is <laughs> yeah. to put an umbrella term and say, well, actually, what what does that mean?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, so if, if if we're kind of um, bundling some of those things together, how can a traditional firm that has um, previously focused on tax make that transition to, to offering some of these uh, value-added services?
1: <clears throat> I think, again, that's a, that's a great question, I think, for us. One of the things that I, I think a lot of firms do by default, and I don't necessarily say this is by design, but I think by default we always take the path of least resistance. Mm-hmm. And I, I think a lot of firms just automatically assume it's something that their clients don't want. I, they, I hear a lot of times, um, not just at my time at Spotlight, but if before Zero and, and beyond, the, there's a lot of firms out there that automatically assume this is something that their clients don't want. Um, that like my clients don't want a you know, business advisors. They don't want management information. They just want to know how much their tax is going to be. And I think just to a certain extent that is correct, but I think it's a very small number ultimately. But I think equally we've got to engage in a different relationship with clients now. We've got to start asking questions in a different way. Um, and I think, again, this comes back to some of the, the, the training for, for staff within firms and for partners around the softer skills. Um, and almost like a sales 101, you know, let's, let's start, everything has to start with a conversation. And I think what we're seeing is is more and more firms now switching on to the fact that they can start asking clients questions like, where do you see your business in the next six months, 12 months and beyond? What, what about your personal life? You know, what are your personal ambitions in terms of personal finance? You know, How are you going to put your kids through college? Is that something that's important to you? How are you going to get there? Um, I've often asked the question to people, where do you see your practice in the next two years? What does it look like? If you can fast forward, what does that practice look like? And then let's work back. How do, how are we going to help you get there? And I think it's those types of conversations that more and more accountants are going to have with their clients and are starting to have that. And they're uncovering some interesting things. I mean, again, coming back to technology, technology has never existed to the point where it has now. It's, it's constantly evolved. We've moved away from desktop into the cloud. You've got so many systems now that integrate and and share data and capture data faster. And we've been talking a long time about what we call this data journey, where you use tools like Receipt Bank to capture data. It's in your system very quickly. Clients can do that very simply. You've got great platforms like Xero that can process large amounts of data very, very quickly. Um, once you've done that, you've really hit the, and I think we've spoke about this before, about the efficiency paradigm is, is kind of caught up and dealt with. Um, Once we deal with that, what then can we do? We need to start looking at better ways we can use that data and to share with clients. And in some cases, the conversation needs to happen around, well, do we provide this as a new baseline of service, i.e. free to our clients? So we, we're we giving them this information. It's actually not costing us almost anything to produce. It's It's there and it's very quick to serve. Uh, And I know Blake Oliver spoke about this uh, on a a recent podcast that he did with Richard Francis, our CEO, that they use these tools, for example, in terms of pushing dashboards out free, but it gives the client month by month comparisons. As to how they've performed and they're just delivering that. What it then does is it engages the client in a different style of conversation. Well, how, why, what's happened? Why did it, why was it only that performance or why did it only increase or decrease that much? What can we do to expand on that? And that also then opens up other areas of conversation in terms of, well, let's put some KPIs. Are you measuring yourself against your peers within that, within your industry? Um, and what are they measuring? You know, where do we bring our, our core experience as accountants to that table? Um, And lots of people want to know how they're comparing. We all kind of like that point of connection, but we also want to know how we're performing against our peers. And it's that type of of report uh, and that type of data that we're seeing, you know, the demand for at the moment, as well as forecasting. I mean, forecasting, you know, the ability to say, right, let's, let's look forward to the next 12 months, three years, you know, what would happen if we suddenly take on an extra member of staff? What's the impact of that? What would happen if we were to uh, introduce a new product line at this point in time? What was the perspective revenue that we we could get at this point and how would that enhance our business? Then we can start having that, those types of conversations as well.
0: Okay. Uh, and I guess that can be done in a fairly structured way with with kind of like, you know, you mentioned certain questions that can be asked at certain times um do you think or is there information out there that a firm who's kind of have been on the fence about doing this a bit may be scared that it's not um quite an easy thing to contain um yeah that's
1: that's again some good points there. i think one one thing is is we're often having conversations around three three areas here one is do do as a practice have the skill sets internally to 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 do this um if i don't where can i can i upskill or can i give my staff the tools to do this. And there may be some kind of training involved with that. I know recently there was an article uh, in the news around uh, some of the big four looking at um, not reducing, and I have to be careful how I say this because it, it sounds diminutive, but not Detracting from the the qualifications of entry of graduates coming into the profession, I think you know there still has to be a, a level there. But what they are doing is they're also looking at the at the, at the EQ, the the the, the, the emotional quotient of that, and the, the softer skills. You know, how are they connected? What are their extended net, social networks looking like? Are they able to sit down and engage someone in a conversation? They're, they're not the typical archetypal, unfortunately, stereotype of an accountant who sits down just crunching numbers all day. They're actually people you can engage in a conversation. Um, and it's equally around that. And we're seeing a lot more firms invest in those types of people in coming into the profession. Um, so maybe there's a link you can put to that, that news article as well there for for, for, for your listeners mm-hmm. um, and how important that is. But often than not, we need to look at A, who's around to deliver that. B, how are they going to price it? And price it is, is really important. So again, looking at the value-based pricing model and getting away from the time plus model that we've 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 traditionally had. Um where we're seeing that happen, we're seeing some interesting things. But equally beyond that, I think this is this is the key is how do we market and communicate this as a as a service, as a provision and our point of difference to the market and to our client base.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um so um do do you have any tips around that, I suppose there's two sides to it. I'm I'm kind of interested in what one is marketing it that that kind of positioning side, and then maybe after that we could have a talk about um, the, the sales side. You know, kind of how you actually.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think two things. One is again, often when I when I talk to firms is we one of the questions I love to ask of, of accountants is what's your point of difference? Why do people choose to work with you? Uh, And that's a that's a great measure. I think, you know, the usual kind of answers come back. It's you know, well, we get most of our our stuff through recommendation. Okay, ignoring the recommendations because you know that's a very powerful message. But outside of that, if if I knew nothing about it and I just typed in you know your details into a website and hit, hit hit go Google. What's, what's going to be your point of difference? Why would I choose to work with you? Um, and a lot of people can't explain that. They can't articulate what their point of difference is. It's usually, well, we provide accounts and tax returns and compliance. That's fine. What's your point of difference? Why would I engage with you? What are you going to do for me differently that I'm not going to, I wouldn't get from someone else? You know, how do you make me feel special? How am I going to feel that i 'm not sitting in economy class or premium i 'm actually going to get a business class experience from you guys because if I perceive that as value i 'll pay for it yeah and, and that 's the key thing for us, and I think there 's a lot of firms that probably still need to think around what their point of difference is and their differentiation um, but equally, I think you know we 've got to move away from just viewing certain things as costs and and, and just apps that we can connect we 've got to start thinking about wrapping services around this. And I know there's going to be firms that the way that they service their clients is very much at the month end or the period end. We want the clients to do a lot of the work themselves and we just come in and, and top and tail that. I absolutely agree with that. But there's a lot of firms that ultimately, with their brand being so precious and important to them, if they're putting their name on something, they absolutely want it to be right. They they want to wrap this as a service. The tools that allow them to deliver that ultimately um, become irrelevant it doesn't matter about that because it's their brand that's sitting out there. Uh, and I think they're recognizing that from a marketing perspective. And that's why they, they need to, to kind of think about how they communicate that be it via social, by recommendations, via the, the the website itself and how important a website can be for accountants. Um, and a lot of cases it can't just be a stock. Here you go. And here's a HMRC VAT calculator and all that kind of stuff. It's got to be personal. It has to reach out and, and, and be that. And I think, um, again, they've got to start viewing this as a 24-7 salesperson. Um, if, if they were investing that in an individual to go out there and represent that brand, what would that person look like and say about them? And it's a, it's a critical part of that. But equally, it has to focus on the value that the customer gets. And I think we can, we can start talking about some of the sales side of things, but I think it, it has to do that. Um, and again, we, we, we talk about great content, but you know, throughout all of this, I, I see a lot of, People talking around content in terms of, you know, stuff around tax and still, compl- it's still around compliance. It's it's not around um, any of the advisory services that, that we we spoke about earlier. It's not about business improvement programs. It's not about breaking tradition and and doing something different. I think ultimately we have to look at where profit comes from. Profit is is a, is a, a, a you know the word comes from the I think is, is the, the, the Latin for for risk. We have to take a little bit of risk around that. Um, and do something different because that's, and it has to be a calculated risk, but we have to derive that. And one of the things I love is, is looking at some of the initiatives that partners have, have put out there, you know, whether that's actually looking at something that's quite abstract, such as Google, you know, let's look at the website traffic you've done. And and if we notice that people aren't staying on your website, why is that? Um, you offer a great service and a great product, but if unless you're attracting people to your website, um, how is that going to increase your sales? So let's work with, you know, let's engage with people who work around search engine optimization or build great websites to do something around that and help you identify how to create the most, you know, the killer website, the most stickiest website Let's see what happens then if we do that. And what about AB testing of marketing and emails and EDMs and all of that? This has nothing to do with accounting, but it's, it is pure business advisory. This is what people want. They, they need to know that you're the go-to guy for that.
0: Okay. Right. Um, do you think that? So I agree with you. The point of difference actually underpins everything. It's your, your business model, and, and and in the end, with compliance is being squeezed. You know, if we're yeah. not going to say it's going to die, but it, it's certainly being squeezed. You know, prices might be going down. So, um, you know, another way of looking at it, the government's not just going to give you work.
1: No, absolutely not. And, and 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 the other factor there is why if if you can put tools in the hands of the small business owners, and I think that to a certain extent some of those tools are great, you've got to think of it in terms of how it's going to impact them. Um, but equally, they're also wanting help and they're wanting advice. Um, and I think sometimes there's nothing wrong, to use the, the airline analogy again, there's nothing wrong with occasionally just bumping, you know, upgrading someone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And saying, hey, you know, you're not necessarily paying for this, but occasionally we'll give you a surprise and delight. We'll upgrade you. We'll give you a report this month yeah. because it's important. Yeah, yeah. Um, and all of that, I think there's so many ways that we wow. can do it. And I think, yeah, part of that comes back to that that point of, of difference. And I think the other the aspect there, Matt, as well, is is that we have to do this. We can't do this in a, in a, in a, in a contrived way. We have to be authentic about this because mm-hmm. I think customers and clients pick up the fact that you're contrived
0: yeah, and well, it's
1: false and it has to be authentic.
0: I, th- I, th- I think on the on the point of difference, um, uh, I've seen some firms where they go radically different, and and it suits yeah. some firms that it is authentic. You know, um, they they have, for instance, a website that's got loads of animation on it, and and it, and then I've seen other firms copy that, and yeah. it's stylistically the same but the substance behind it, it just doesn't suit that firm you know absolutely um, so I think it is really important to be authentic and I think point of difference doesn't have to be you know dramatic it can be um, it can be around things that are very subtle like just results that you deliver for people and yes. um, it's not all about selling that to a prospect I think you know the most important thing with, with um, an accounting firm or most businesses is actually how long you, you keep clients. Um, so proving your point of difference um, over time, actually that's the reason they stay with you and that's where the real um, the profitability lies, I would suggest.
1: I, I, I would agree. I, and I think this, is, this for me has always been a massive differentiation for the accounting profession over the legal profession. Mm. Um, and again, I don't, I don't mean to, to be disparaging about this, but the legal profession for such a long time has always built around a transactional relationship. Yeah, yeah I, I need to do some conveyancing. Therefore, I, I just engage you at that point. Um, the, the, the accountants have always valued the lifetime value of a customer. Which is why we're we're so great at looking to acquire new customers, um, but equally, I think partners are always a little bit, and certain practitioners are always a little bit reticent to to kind of sometimes say, actually, we're not the right accountant for you anymore. That may be for a number of reasons. We you know we may be going in a different direction. Um, and I've had this conversation with many practitioners, um, and we've heard many many industry gurus talk about this. You know, sometimes it's nice to have a clear out. At the end of the year, with with but you know clients that just simply don't fit the profile of the firm that you want to be anymore. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. It has to be a, a mutual relationship, um, and sometimes we have to kind of say, look, you know, you don't fit the profile. However, if if that's all that you want, here's a great accountant. Let's introduce them to somebody else who wants and values that stuff. Um, but I think absolutely, come back to your point. Accountants have always valued the lifetime value of a customer, and I think to continue that cycle, we have to we have to help them evolve. And we have to help them, you know, offer new services and, and new you know open up potentially new markets for them. Sometimes that that's easy. Uh, sometimes it's a little bit challenging because again, change management is ultimately what we're talking about. We're changing process, we're we're re-engineering some of those processes for them. Um but the future's bright. And I think we can we can certainly do that if if they're open to that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um taking that step backwards actually, um, when let's say a lead comes in, could be from a website, could be from um, a referral. Um, what does the sales process look like for for an accounting firm that's that's trying to sell business advisory? Um, is is that different than, than than a kind of traditional the traditional way things work?
1: Again, this this may come across as, as as controversial, but ultimately the way I view that is that an accounting firm is a is a business no no different to an SME in the traditional sense. Um, and you have to have a defined process. We have to have a process for dealing with that. Now, again, whether that comes into the funnel at the top, whether whomever that goes to, whether it's, it's uh, a business development person. Again, what we're, what we're seeing more and more is, is accountants employing traditional models within their practice. We're seeing them uh, develop revenue centers. Um, within those within the practices we're seeing them look to the the general business world for process around this in terms of pure business development and attraction of new clients and i think that's fundamental that you know if you're carrying someone on the business they have to be targeted with with are bringing in new revenue that's what they're there for and they need to understand the service matrix that you as a practice offer they probably will understand the point of difference better than most of the people within the firm yeah. because they're having to articulate that on a daily basis and they have to understand what their point of difference is and how they can help these clients. And we're seeing definitely more of that. And I think you need to be very clear on that process of who's responsible for it, what the activities are, and what are the steps that you want them to take through from initial inquiry through to signing the engagement.
0: Mm-hmm. And and so, okay, they, they, they've signed the engagement um, So, you mentioned like the lawyer example, um, very transactional. Um, Maybe in the past, someone had just um, done something quite transactional as well. You know, do my tax return, fairly simple engagement um, in terms of the sign up. I did a podcast with Steve Major in um, Australia from Pricing Power, and he suggested that before you even take on a client, you need three conversations with them, you know, before you even take them on. So, that that talks to your (coughs) kind of. I guess eighty twenty rule stuff of you know taking on the right right clients. Yeah. Um, uh, how important is the onboarding process when you take on board a business advisory client? Given that um, th- they're all going to be, I guess, different in some sense. I think,
1: I, I think any relationship. I think you know at any point in time in any sales situation, you, you know whether you're taking that, we've, we've got to open up the conversation. We've got to listen to our client. Um, and I, I think there's a lot of people in, in sales that. That are very successful because they they adopt the old the old models of two ears one mouth use them in that order. Mm-hmm. You know, listen to what the client says. So I know it sounds crazy, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's true. Let, let's let's engage in the conversation. What what is it the client wants? Let it let them do most of the talking. What is it they want to achieve? We shouldn't be talking ninety percent of the time. It should be the other way around. Yeah, letting those guys um, do that. And I know we're probably flipping that model with this conversation, but <laughs> um, but absolutely, we, you know, let them talk how do we fit in with that? And ultimately I think it's going to come down to two things. One is, do we tick the boxes? Are we able to serve them in that right way? Secondly, do they feel comfortable with us as a, as a person? Do they feel that we are someone that we can do business together? And are they comfortable with that? Mm-hmm. But again, people buy from people. Yeah. And I'm, I'm very much, you can automate a process, but you can't automate a relationship.
0: Absolutely.
1: You can, you can automate processes around the relationship, but you cannot automate it. And they have to be comfortable. But, Beyond that, we, we need to give people the ability at any point in that cycle from conversation one to conversation three to say, actually, this isn't right for us. We need to back off, mm-hmm. and it's not right. And there's, there's no shame in that. We'd, I'd rather qualify out of, a, of, of, of an opportunity than qualify into a bad one. Mm-hmm. And that's really important. I think accountants are starting to see that, is that A, we've got to look at this profitably. We've got to be able to deliver what the client wants. Um, there is going to be a, a value attached to that and there's going to be a price attached to that. But if we can demonstrate and clear that we've got expertise in those areas and we can add that value and the client likes us, I, I would totally agree with Steve. It's, it's three conversations.
0: Yeah, okay. And um, well, Steve's big on pricing and, and, and you just mentioned it there, um, be interested to get your feelings on, on where price comes in that discussion, because um, my take on that would be yeah You'd have those conversations. The more the more the client is talking or the prospect is talking, the better. Um, yeah. And hopefully at the end of that, you, you um, bring in a price and hopefully that's a, you know, a price that <laughs> seems nice to you. And then <laughs> yeah. more than See, more I'm going to flip that again.
1: Like I said, why do we leave it priced to the end? Um, because again we can go through a great first conversation, second conversation, we can we can be there and then bam we hit them with price.
0: Yeah.
1: Let's let's get the elephant out of the room. Let's let's talk about price up front.
0: Okay.
1: Let's let's table that. You know, we're not the cheapest, we're not the most expensive. This is this is our pricing structure.
0: So Let's you would talk say you about have fixed, yeah, we, fixed pricing and publish that. Or
1: I, 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 yeah, again, this is this is the area because again, a lot of people probably confuse the fixed price with the value price. Yeah, right. And again, I think you know you've seen that with the websites that you guys have built mm-hmm. and how that works. And again, we have a by again by design. We have this consumer mindset.
0: Yeah,
1: we want to know the rough price we would be paying before we engage in something. That's the stuff that wets my whistle. Um, however, we need to talk about that. Well, you could be looking at my, my bronze level of package, but actually in your head, you're thinking, well, can I push you up to that level of service, but still only pay the bronze? But if we dig a bit deeper and we find out what's more important to you, the, the priority of that, you, you can see some great reference, referenceable case studies that we've done this for. We've got, you know, I can introduce to two or three people that will tell you this and what we've done and our, you know, how we've done that for them then we can have a very different conversation. Um, I'm, I'm always weary of, of tabling price at the end because I think we just get that elephant out of the room. It, it, it pushes us in one direction or the other. It's, it's got to be then about how we deliver that. Okay. And you know if I, can, if I can show you ways that we can increase your profits by you know, the, the, the stuff that you want, you want to you know, get there in, in six months and we can achieve that and we've got ways in which we can achieve that. And if I can show you a way to do that, is that something that's going to be of interest to you?
0: Yeah, Fantastic. Hey, Darren, I'm going to wrap things up there. That's that's been (laughs) fascinating. Oh,
1: no, you've been welcome. It's been great talking to you.
0: It's been really good. And um, I'm going to get those links from you um, to the PDF and and the article as well. Um, And on the the podcast page, we'll include a bunch of information about Spotlight for anyone who who wants to find out more because it's um, a really fantastic tool. So um, we'll, we'll get all the information and links on there for you.
1: That's very kind. It's been a pleasure to speak to you today and uh, good, good to catch up with you at ZeroCon as well.
0: Yeah, you too, Dan. Take care. Thanks, man. Take care. All right. Bye-bye.